am so happy this morning about what the Lord gave me to share about. I went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and I wound up on one of my favorite topics, because it'll be your favorite topic too before time changes. Um, and I told Keith last night, I said, guess how many pages I have this morning? And he knows me very well. He said, ten. I said, because I usually pretty much write out everything I'm going to say. I said, one page. Yeah, oh, wow, is right. <laughs> you know, and the reason that I have one page is because it is something that I love so much that we named the church that. Faith. Faith Life Church. It's something that we eat, we sleep, we breathe, we live, we love. Faith. And I think every person in here should be so stirred up about faith that it is the greatest thing in your life. And we're going to talk about it this morning. Are you ready? All right. You've got to be excited about faith. Okay? Put, if you would, for me, Miss Hannah, Hebrews 11.6 up there on the screen for us. There we go. I have it in the NIV. Sorry about that. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Just keep that up for just a minute, Hannah. Everybody read that first part with me. Now, that, what does everybody mean? Everybody. Okay, now, about half the crowd said that. What does everybody mean? you okay you might you came you might as well join in you know okay so let's all read this together and without faith impossible what does impossible mean impossible that's what it means it can't be done it means there's no way that you can please God without what without money Without grace. Uh Uh-oh. Without what? Without what? Without healing. Without faith, you can't even please your Father God. So you know what? I think we should know about this subject of faith, right? God so supernaturally, I mean, without Keith and I even knowing, without us having a clue, I mean, set us on a course, oh, 30 years ago, to find out about faith. And in my opinion, he put us with the greatest faith man of our generation to learn faith. Yes, he hooked us up with Brother Hagin. And we had the privilege of eating, sleeping, breathing, everything you can think of, faith with Brother Hagen for decades. And we were so blessed to be able to hear about faith and see faith in action and do works of faith with Brother Hagen. And we began to see some uh, attributes of faith. And so let's finish reading that verse. Put it back up there. Without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. 
Now, Keith asked me this morning what I was going to teach about. He says, are you going to teach about puppies? Now, that's kind of an inside joke, and I'll explain it to you. Well, just recently, how long ago has it been? Four weeks? Probably four weeks ago. My husband bought me two of the cutest puppies you have ever seen in your life. They are the, aren't they the cutest things you've ever seen? I think Janet's nodding her head, Carrie's nodding her head. Dave, are they the cutest things you've ever seen? Yeah, he's going to say, yeah, yeah. They are the cutest things you've ever seen. They're little shih tzus, and there's a boy and a girl, and they're about this big. And all they do is play and sleep and eat and poop. (laughs) That's all they do. But they are the cutest things you've ever seen. But let one of them get away from me for very long, and I am earnestly seeking him. Do you understand what I mean? I am, we, we put him up a fence in the backyard, and if he gets away from me or she gets away from me, I am like this. I am searching it out. I need to know where it is for lots of reasons. Because I don't know if it's chewing one of my good shoes. I don't know if it's into something, eating something it shouldn't be eating. I don't know what it's doing. So I am seeking that puppy out until I find it. That is earnestly seeking something until I find it. I am hunting it down until I find it. I don't care where I have to go. I don't care what else is going on. I don't care if my phone is ringing. I don't care if there's something on TV I want to do. I don't care if my belly's growling. I am hunting that puppy down. How many of you ever lost your pet? What did you do till you found it? You stopped everything until you found it, didn't you? That's what earnestly seeking means. You'll you'll skip your meal. You'll get on the phone. You'll call people. You'll stay up all night long until you find that puppy or that cat or that whatever it is. How many of you have kids that's got had an animal? What does that kid do if that animal gets lost? It panics. It wants that pet back. Well, that's what we have to do with God. We have to push everything else aside. We have to quit thinking about everything else. We have to quit thinking if our phone's ringing. We have to quit thinking if if dinner's on the table. We have to quit thinking if, if this person's coming or if that's happening. If we are earnestly seeking something, what are we doing? We have our whole focus on finding that. Finding that. Have you ever lost anything else and you really, really needed it? Like a title to a car you're about to sell. Do you know what I'm talking about? You, you know you have it. But you can't get rid of that vehicle until you find that title. What are you doing? You're diligently seeking that title. Because you know you're not going to get the money for that car until you find that title. So you push everything else aside and you focus on finding that title. I can't, I can't do this right now. No, no, no. i got to do this right now. 
Is that earnestly seeking something? Or, or you really got your mind on binding that title? You're almost intense about it. You almost get upset with people that are bothering you because what? You want to find that title. Put the verse back up there. We got to get this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now there's where the problem with faith comes in. That's what has happened to generation after generation after generation after generation after person after person after person after person after person. Now I'm going to tell you a story about me this morning because me is who I know. I don't know y'all well enough yet to tell stories about you. Just give me a little time and I'll tell stories about you too. Ask my staff. I do it all the time. I pick on Dave when he's here. Look at him shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do it all the time. You've heard me already talk about Janet up here. You know, I'll tell stories about you as soon as I know you. But right now I know me. Okay? So Keith and I go to Rama. Well, Keith goes to Rama and I go to work. But we go to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Now Keith is getting fed faith in the morning for four hours. Then he goes to prayer school at 1 o'clock and gets Brother Hagen for an hour or two. Then he goes to healing school at 2.30 and gets Brother Hagen from 2.30 till 4 o'clock. So he's getting fed faith from 8 o'clock in the morning till noon from different teachers, including Brother Hagen, and then in the afternoons from 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock. That's a lot of faith. That is a lot of faith teaching. Right? Every day. Now me, I am getting faith for a few minutes on Sunday. For just a few minutes. I'd go to the services. They'd teach on faith or they might teach on something else, but they were teaching what they taught included probably the subject of faith. It had it in mixed in with it. So you might get a little bit of faith on Sunday. But now Keith is getting faith every day, every day, every day, every day. Now, all of a sudden, we're there probably a year. And all of a sudden, at the, say, the ending of that first year, I get this major lump in my left breast. Major. I don't tell my husband about it because I think I am this major faith girl. I've been around it for a year. I've been hearing it be taught for a year. I'm soaked in it. I know all the right words to say. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. He took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. I don't have to have this. Jesus is my healer. I curse that and I tell it to die and go away. And I did it. And I didn't tell Keith one word about it. Guess what happened? What? What? Tell me what you think. Come on. Huh? Went away? Went away? Nothing? Nothing? Got worse? Got worse? 
Nothing. Got worse. Got worse. It got so bad that I couldn't even lift my arm up above my head. What happened? I was using all the right words. I was saying all the right things. I was doing all the right things. I was saying exactly what they told us to say. I was doing exactly what they told us to do. Why wasn't it working for me? Why didn't it work? Why didn't the Bible work for me? Why didn't the Word work for me when it was working for other people? I saw it working for other people. I saw when Keith would pray, he would get results. I saw if anything would attack him, he never got sick. Why would it work for him and not for me? Was I such a horrible person that it wouldn't work for me? Was I messing up so bad that it didn't work for me? No, that wasn't it. You want to know why? Let's find out why. Matthew 17, 20 in the King James. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, mustard seed you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible to you. Now let's look at that in the Amplified. And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith, that is your lack of firmly relying trust. For truly I say to you, if you have faith, that is living like a grain of mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to yonder place and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now what did that say? Firmly relying trust. Firmly relying trust on what? It's not on anything. It's in what? In God. In whom? In Him. Firmly relying trust in Him. This is what faith is. Simple trust in God. Simply knowing God. Simply trusting God. It is a total and complete confidence in God. And that's where the problem came in. And that's where most people's problems come in. This is the issue. Keith was getting the word morning, noon, and night. Because when he wasn't in school, he was coming home and studying and fellowshipping with the Lord. I was working. 
I was in the secular world. I was getting all the things that the secular world knew. And I was going in on Sunday and getting a little granola bar to try to feed my faith and hold me over till the next Sunday. And I was in the world every day that was eating up what little bit of faith I had. Just dealing with everything I had to deal with in the world. And he was building up his faith every day. He'd go to school in the morning. He'd go to prayer school and pray for an hour in the afternoon or an hour and a half in the afternoon. He'd go to healing school in the afternoon. He'd build his faith some more. Then he'd come in at night and he'd study and he'd pray. All I did was go to church on Sunday for an hour and eat a little snack granola bar. That's all I did. So I did not know God. I knew the right words to say. But I didn't know God. I had no fellowship with Him. I had heard the right cliches to say. I had heard the right words to say. I thought that I could get faith through osmosis. Because Keith had faith and I hung around him that I was going to get what he had. That I could do what he did because I hung around him. And because I went to the same church he did. And because I knew people that knew faith. And because I knew Brother Hagen. But you know what? None of that makes any difference in the world. You can only trust somebody that you know. You cannot trust someone else's friend unless you know them. You can't. Somebody can say to you, oh, you can trust them. But do you trust them? Unless you know them, you don't trust them. It is the exact same way with God. You cannot know God's character unless you know God. Take, for instance, Keith and I. We've been working together now for probably 20-something years, working together. Now, I worked in the secular world before, and then we came in ministry together. And when we came into the ministry together, I got a revelation Keith and I do things differently. That's a big revelation. And if you've never worked with your spouse, you're going to get a real revelation that you do things differently. But in doing that, after having done that for so many years, we have a full staff now. And if one of my staff comes to me and they say, Brother Keith said do this. I can look at them and I can know instantly if Brother Keith said do that. For instance, if Brother Keith says, uh, let's see. Oh, there's been some wild things. Uh, you know, there's been such things as Brother Keith only drinks out of glass bottles. Uh, where do people get these things? I don't know, you know. But... Brother Keith says he only drinks out of glass bottles. I look at them and I go, where did you get that from? Why, why would I say that? 
because I know him. Because I know him. And if someone were to tell me, Brother Keith only eats white bread, I would look at him and I'd go, where did you get that from? Or if somebody came to me and said, um, I don't know, Brother Keith believes this. Brother Keith believes that God is not a God of faith. I'd go. Hmm. Something like that. Why? Why would I do that? Because I know him very closely myself. Now, Dave's been around him long enough to know the very same things. People will go to Dave and they'll say, Brother Keith told me to do this. What do you say? Not Brother Keith. Brother Keith did not say that. Why? Because I have spent time with Keith long enough to know that he did not tell them to do that. Our brother Keith said, go and do this. Well, brother Keith did not... Well, just, for instance, last night, okay? Last night, we got a call and someone said, are we supposed to be working tonight on this? This is Saturday night. Are we supposed to be working on this? And Dave says, did you tell them to do that? He knew I didn't. Do you think Brother Keith said for them to do that? I said, no, tell them not to work on that tonight. Why did I know that Brother Keith said not to work on that tonight? Because I know him. I know him. Well, it is the same thing with you. You cannot receive anything by faith from God just because Carrie said it, just because he said it, she said it, they said it, this person said it, even because your pastor said it. You will have absolutely no confidence to receive it unless you get to know him for yourself. I know that because that's what happened to me. So when it kept getting worse, I went directly to Keith and I said, I wasn't going to tell you about this, but this is this way now. So he lays hands on me and prays for me, and by the next morning, the thing is totally and completely gone. I mean totally and completely gone. Why is that? Because he knew God as his healer. He had spent time with him finding out what he said about healing. He didn't take somebody else's word for it. He got in the word and he found out what God said about healing. He found out that God said, by his stripes you were healed. That he took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. He found out that the devil is rebuked and he can't put sickness or the curse on you. That we're redeemed from the curse of sickness. He found that out. And so if you've ever seen him teach on healing, it's like this whole different personality comes on him. 
And he gets flat cocky. Because he knows it. He knows it like he knows his name. Well, it was not until I realized after doing a few stupid things that I did not have a relationship with God the same way that he has a relationship with God. And I realized I ain't getting this. This ain't happening for me the same way. Things are, I can't believe for things the way that he can believe for things. I'm his wife, but I can't get the results that he's getting. I'm not getting the same answers he's getting. I'm not getting healed the way he's healed. I'm not believing for prosperity the way that he's believing for things to come in. I'm not getting direction the way that he's believing for it. Well, why is that? Because I don't have a relationship with God the way that he has a relationship with God. That granola bar on Sunday is not building a relationship with God. It is helping you to sustain a relationship with God. It is not building a relationship with God. What happens in here on Sunday will only hold you over till the next week. But if something attacks your body, or if something attacks your finances, it's not going to just be you quoting what you've heard in here. You've got to get to know Him and earnestly seek Him for yourself. Like you would that puppy dog, or like you would that title. You've got to get in this book. You've got to find this book right here. Hold your notepad there. Get this book. Fine. Okay. This says, by his stripes I'm healed. Okay. This says, he will meet all my needs. You've got to know where it is in here for yourself. Because when the devil attacks, it's not my faith or Keith's faith or anybody else, your neighbor's faith, your wife's faith, your cousin's faith, Dave's faith, Carrie's faith, anybody else's faith that's going to put you over the hump. Now, when you're a baby... Can you do things for your child when they're little? Yes. How long? Till they, they turn two and they start going, eh! <laughs> and they want to do it for themselves, right? Well, that's about the way that it is with God. It was only a couple of times that Keith could pray for me like that and I would be healed. It wasn't long after that that when Keith would pray for me, nothing would happen. I'd go, uh-oh, God, what's going on with this? Nothing's happening. I ain't healed. What's happening? You ain't a big baby. He talks to me the way he would talk to me because that I'd understand it. You ain't no baby anymore. Get your little self up from there and get in that Bible for yourself. And find yourself healing scriptures. That's when faith works for you. Is when you earnestly seek Him for yourself. Now don't get me wrong. You'll be saved and you'll go to heaven. You will be. But... Do you want victories in your life? Do you want to be able to overcome things in your life? Yes, grace is here for us. 
But let me tell you what grace will do for you. It will give you the stamina to get up tomorrow morning and stand in faith again. That's what grace will do for you. It will give you the ability. Paul had said, um, God, I'm going to go under. And God said, oh, no, you're not. My grace is sufficient for you. It gave him the strength to be able to stand against all the things that were attacking him. And that's what will happen for you. You use your faith on an area. Say you're believing for something with finances. Say you're believing to not lose your house or not lose your car or or you're believing for your light bill to be paid or you're believing for your gas bill to be paid or you're believing for uh, your tuition for your kid's college or you're believing for a doctor bills or whatever you're believing for. Everybody knows about finances, right? Okay. And it hasn't happened. You've been making the right confessions. You've been saying the right thing. You've been saying, God shall supply all my needs. You've been saying, give and it shall be given. Why isn't it happening? Because you can't just make confessions. Put the verse back up there, the very first one, Hebrews 11:6 in the NIV. We can't, can we? Is it, you got enough power to do it? Yeah, okay. Um, those, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You get results when you earnestly seek Him. You're not just going to get results because you blab something out of your mouth. What about, okay, I've got staff. We've got staff. And some of the staff that we have, they only want their paychecks. I don't have anybody like that now. But in the past, we've had people that all they wanted was their paycheck. You understand what I mean by that? Keith calls them hirelings. They don't want to do a job. It's like my daddy. When we first got the church in Branson, we were walking through, and there were offices here, and there were offices there, and there were offices here and offices there. And he walked through, and he said, um, here's my office right here. And there was a place right there. And, he, and Keith says, oh, so you want a job? He said, oh, no, I don't want a job. I just want a position with my name on the door. That's the way a lot of people are. They don't want a job. They just want a position with their name on the door. They don't want to do anything. Well, okay, so say you have one of those people that, quote, just have a position. And they go through the motions every day. They just go through the motions every day. Okay? Now, when something comes up and they ask you, okay, can I have this extra time off? Can I have these benefits? Can I have something extra? What is your tendency to do? Do you have an urgency to want to do something for them? What about the rest of you? We'll just stop here and camp for a while. Huh? What do you want to do for the person that's unwilling to do anything? Absolutely nothing. But what about the person that comes in and they never even consider how much they're getting paid? But they're working and they're doing their job and they get finished with that task 
I've got 99.9% of my staff is this way. They don't even know what time it is. They don't know if it's 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. They don't know. And they're going home and they're taking their computers and they're working and they're getting this done and they're ordering this and they're doing that and they're doing this and they're doing... And they are just constantly... They know what ministry is. There's no 9 to 5 in ministry. You know, you're getting a call on this and you're getting a call on that and you're getting a call on this. And they say, you know what? This happened and, and we'd like to be able to go and, and do this. What do you think you're inclined to do then? Why would that be? Because they're earnestly seeking your benefit. They're earnestly seeking the good of helping others, doing what the ministry needs to have done. They're earnestly seeking what needs to happen. Well, I think it's the same way with God. I think if we're earnestly seeking the things that He's seeking and earnestly seeking the things that He's wanting done and we're putting the things that He's wanting first, every time in my life that I have needed something from God, I needed healing, I needed finances, I needed to lose weight, something that is not a healing or or not a, a financial miracle or anything like that. Do you know when I received those things? When I was earnestly seeking God, I forgot about needing Him. I forgot about standing in faith for Him. I forgot about believing God for Him. I forgot about quoting my scriptures for Him. I forgot about all the faith stuff here and all the faith stuff there. What I did do was earnestly seek Him and what He wanted for my life. I totally forgot about everything else. But when I earnestly sought him, God, what do you need from me today? What do you want from me today? Then everything else was taken care of. Bills were paid. Healing came. uh, Body got the way it needed to be. Marriage got perfect. This happened. That happened. This happened. Everything just fell right into place. But what was I doing? Was I trying just to get something from God? And see, that's what I was doing in the beginning. When I first started in the ministry with Keith, or Keith was actually in the ministry and I was working in the world, I didn't really, and I've told this, but y'all are all new, so I'll tell y'all. All All the people in Branson have heard me tell these stories. I was quite rebellious about being in the ministry. Doesn't that surprise you? Yes. I didn't want any part of it. I was like, you do that and I'll do this. I want my life. I I make good money in the world. I have a good job. I can support myself. I can do this. I'll hitch a ride with you. You do that faith stuff. You do that Bible stuff things will be great, yeah. And I'll just grab hold of a little of God when I need him and we'll be good. But you know what? Keith's life started getting better and he quit getting sick and things started happening and my life started kind of falling back. And I was going to church 
because I had to, because I knew I was supposed to. But it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't until I was saved. I could speak in tongues. Rondai, Shondai, untie that bow tie. But it wasn't until I said, God, whatever you want from me, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Whatever you want from me. I was quite shocked with what he told me. It was the last thing I wanted to do. You talk about having to put your flesh under. I had to put my flesh under beyond words. I mean, if, if a person could have hated having to do something, it was something that I would have thought, God, if there's anything else, I'll go to China. I'll go to Hong Kong. Please, not this. Not this. He made me go to work at Rama. Cherie's sitting right there. Did I not go to work at Rama? I went to work at Rama. He ma- they asked me to come and work, and I, I gave up all my freedom, and I went to work at Rama. I mean, right in the middle of everybody going in the ministry. I mean, he just dumped me headlong in the middle of it, and I was running. But what does that do? You either get in or get out or get run over. But you have to make a choice at some point. You either continue to rebel and just want a part of God to where you can just touch Him enough to get what you need from Him and then back up and go do your thing. Or you serve him wholehearted and you don't even have to think about getting your thing. It just happens. That's where faith comes in. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But the biggest things that I began to use my faith for had nothing to do with me. He started then having me to use my faith for things for ministry. And everything in my personal life just started falling into place. And that's what he means. When we earnestly seek him, you quit seeking for things for you. But you seek him because you love him. You seek Him because He's worthy to be sought. You seek Him like you'd be seeking that title or that puppy dog. Then when somebody tells you about His character, somebody tells you that you're not supposed to be healed or you're not supposed to have those finances or you're not supposed to have this, what will you be able to do then? See, what we did in youth for so long is we didn't do youth the way a lot of people do youth. Nobody ever got up in youth and preached to them. If there was something that was on their heart, we'd say, okay, everybody run and get you a Bible and a concordance. Whether it was sex or whether it was money, get you a Bible and a concordance. 
And they would find the scriptures and they would preach to each other about, you, you, there would be so many debates in there. Well, no, this is not right. Well, where's the scripture for it? Prove it to us by the scripture. Well, then this one would say this and then this one would say this. And this. by the time it was over, they would be strong enough to fight with anybody in the world about what the word said. Not their opinion. Not what you think or you think or you think or you think. But that's what's wrong with people in the church today. They have no foundation like I didn't have. I only knew Keith's faith. And Brother Hagen's faith. I knew Brother Hagen had faith to believe for something. And if I could just get to Brother Hagen, he could get it. Or if I could just get to Keith, he could get it. But me? No way, no how. But where would we be today if I wouldn't have done what I was supposed to do? Do you think we would have what we have today if I would have stayed way back here away from Keith and rebelling and him having to tag me along and doing everything that we're doing today? It just wouldn't be there. But what happens is people don't know God and they go out trying to represent God by trying to believe for things from someone they don't know. And let me explain. Back to staff, back to examples that we know. Take, for instance, me. I will tell Dave, Dave, have the staff do this. Now, what if he takes what I say and totally twist it and misrepresents what I say and has them do it in a totally different fashion, in a totally different way, and just says, oh, it doesn't really matter, and he has them do it a different way. Are they going to have confidence in what I said? Are they going to be able to learn and trust and rely in me, in what I said? If he twists everything. Huh? Are they going to get to know my character if he twists everything? Well, if you don't know God's character and somebody else is relaying God's character to you, you're going to get a twisted revelation of God's character. If all you're relying on is another person to represent God's character to you, and you don't learn him for yourself, you could have a twisted revelation of God. And that's what so many people have. They have this TV preacher, they have their pastor, they have this person, they have that person, and it's like a marriage to me. That's why the Word is so important. That's why we spend time with God. It is just exactly like marriages. Robin Carey's marriage is not like mine and Keith's marriage. Dave and Kim's marriage is not like mine and Keith's marriage. Your marriage is not like our marriage. Yes, there's some certain basic principles that are the same. But it is not exactly the same. I'll explain. Keith may not want me to have a hot meal sitting on the table when he gets home at night. Why? 
because he basically knows that he doesn't want me spending that time in the kitchen cooking when he knows what else I've been doing. He gets actually upset if I do that because he knows all the other things that I've been doing when he knows we can just run and go get this to eat. You don't have to cook. You don't have to clean. You don't have to do all these things. Where your husband may say, I want food on the table. I've been working all day long. You've been home all day long. I want some food on the table when I get home. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your marriage may be totally different than mine. Your husband might like, you know, um, blonde hair, you know. Uh, My husband might like red hair. Just the opposite, you know. But every marriage is different. You might stay up late and we might get up early. But you can't base a total, me doing counseling with you saying, okay, you have to get up at 7 o'clock, you have to do this at 8, you have to do this at 9, you have to do this at 10, and you have to be in bed by 11 o'clock sharp in order for your marriage to work. Will that work? Huh? Well, it's the exact same way about your healing, about your finances, about your faith. Because I don't know what's going on in your life. And so in order for you to get the results that you need from God, you have to talk to God for yourself. Because God may tell you, okay, he may say, Phyllis, the reason that you're not getting that is because you're condemned because you didn't do this. Fix that and then you'll get this. And that may be the only thing that's holding me back. Or he may say, Phyllis, the reason that you're not getting that is because I told you to do this. Or he may say, Phyllis, just stand. It's on the way. Or he may say, Phyllis, the reason that you're not getting that is because you're not walking in love with him. I told you over and over and over again, you've got to walk in love. You can't keep being that way. But it's not exactly the same for every individual. And if I were to go down this row and say, why Bill doesn't have finances? Why this one doesn't have finances? Why this one doesn't have finances? Every one of them would be a different answer. Or why this person doesn't have healing? Or why this person doesn't have healing? Or why, 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 why? No one is going to be exactly the same. And that's why we've been given the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that's why we have to have our own personal relationship with the Lord. That's why Keith could not believe for healing for me every time. Because I don't care if you are a husband and wife. There are things that go on inside of you that no other human in the whole world knows. Keith wouldn't know why or what fear I might have. He might just say, Phyllis, you're in fear about this. Get rid of that fear and you'll be healed. Do you understand? It could just be a small thing that he's trying to make an adjustment inside of you. And you know it already. And as soon as you do it, then you just make that little turn. And it's not like that God's trying to withhold anything from you. Let's see. You four people come up here. Stand over here. I did this in youth one night and it stood with them and they've always... Stand right over here. Okay, Dave, you stand over there. Y'all stand over here and face Dave. Just like you're lined up for a relay race or something. Yeah, across. Yeah, there you go. Dave's going to represent the angel that's bringing you what you're believing for. Okay? It's real simple. They're in faith. Okay? All right? He's believing for healing. 
He's believing for a new job. He's believing for uh, finances for something else. He's belie- she's believing that her marriage gets better. Okay? They're all believing for something. Something different. Okay? You got it? All right? Y'all awake? Yes. Okay. They all start out good. So they take a step or two forward. Yeah, they all start out real good. Okay? Then this one, what was you believing for? Healing. Healing. Okay. Then he gets attacked in his body and a uh, pain or something. And the devil says, you know why that happened? Because you didn't walk in love. So what does he do? He gets in condemnation and he takes two steps backwards. Has he changed? Okay. What are you believing for? New job. New job. Then he, he talks smart to his wife and he's mean to his wife. And what happens? Condemnation. What happens? Step backwards. That didn't change, did it? But it's a totally different thing, right? What are you believing for? Finances. Finances. He didn't tithe. Or he didn't give when God told him to. I don't know. God said, sow this seed. Give and it shall be given. Maybe he, God said, give that $5 and you'll get it. You know, I don't know. So condemnation. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. So what happened? He went backwards. Marriage, yeah. She knew she should have walked in love with him even though he chewed her out. She knew she just should have said something sweet. A sweet answer turns away wrath, right? Okay, so condemnation. She backs up. Did he change? He's still coming this way towards him. Nothing changed with him, but something in your life changed. Okay, so you get better and you pray and you read and you come forward. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Then something else attacks them. And what happens? They go back again. And he keeps coming forward. And then they make a little more progress. And they get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And they keep getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden something really happens because the devil knows that they're getting close. And they fall all the way back again and have to start all over again. And all the while, your answer is this close. But it's not that the answer is being pulled away from you. It's not that he's changing. It's not that he's going away. It's because something in our lives that God's trying to get to us or tell us. It's our faith and our confidence toward him. And that's what you can, you guys can be seated. That's what was happening to me, why I could not believe. It wasn't that I didn't have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Um, let's see where the... Uh, Romans 12, 3. King James. For I say, through the grace given unto me, that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according... As God has dealt to every man, what? The measure of faith. That means that every person in here has been given a measure of faith. Every person in here has faith. So even when I was just very, very, very young in the Word, I was raised Catholic. We didn't hear about faith. We knew nothing about faith. So that when I did get around faith and I heard a little bit about it, well, I got to know in a little bit and Keith was getting a lot more. It wasn't that I didn't have faith to believe for my healing that the lump would go away. It's what happened. 
It's I went to work the next day and I dealt with this and maybe I was short with somebody and I'd lay in the bed at night and the condemnation would just overwhelm me because of something I did. Or because I didn't want to be in ministry. Or because Keith would say, "Uh, do this with me and I'd think, I don't want to do that. And it wasn't that God was trying to keep it away or His ministering spirits were trying to get it to me the whole time. It was because of my condemnation. And that's why we have to build such a relationship with the Lord that as these things come against us, we know that we can resist them. We know that the Father God loves us. We know He's not against us. That's what His grace is for. That's what builds us up on the inside. No, my grace is sufficient for you. It will build you up. It will make you strong to be able to stand against all these things. You can take those steps and get to your answer. You can take those faith steps and keep going even though you know you're right here. You're believing for your finances. You're believing for your healing. And the devil says, you know you shouldn't have done that. And you say, yeah, Mr. Devil, I know I shouldn't have done that. But his grace is sufficient and God loves me anyway and I'm going on. And you just keep going. Yeah, I may have messed up on that. But Father God, I ask you to forgive me and I'm going on. And you keep taking your steps. That's where His grace comes in. It stirs up your heart to know that you can go boldly before the throne of... and receive what you need from God. It doesn't matter if you messed up. It doesn't matter if you're, what you're needing. But you have to be able to do it for yourself. Your brother can't do it. Your sister can't do it. Your cousin can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. Your neighbor can't do it. Your husband can't do it. You have to be able to do it for yourself. Do you understand that? That's what faith is about. That you're able to stand no matter what the devil's throwing at you. No matter what he tells your mind. That you're able to stand and that grace will rise up in you and it'll say, but you can do it. You can come boldly to my throne. You can get there and you can get repentance. You can get forgiveness. So come on, let's do it. You can do it. And then you take that step of faith to get your answer. You got it? Stand up with me. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I pray over each and every person in this place today that no matter what's happened in their life, no matter how weak their faith has been, no matter how shaky their ground has been, that you enable them to be stronger than they've ever been before. And every circumstance and every situation that the devil has tried to throw against them, that you give them the grace and the ability to stand against that and come boldly to your throne, Father, and receive what they need from you, Father. I just thank you for doing it now and turning situations around so that they can win and receive everything they need from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God.